Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody. Hope you're having a good week. <laughs> We're squilling here. <laughs> so, uh, glad to have you there joining with us online. Uh, if you're there on Facebook, that's where we'll be, we'll be looking at any prayer requests that you might need to make or to give to us. Be sure to share it there in the comments. Uh, that way everybody else who's watching online can be able to see that as well as we can share that here uh, through the service. Uh, be sure to give us the, the thumbs up there. Uh, be sure to heart to like to share. Uh, that post. Also, we've got Twitter uh, that we're on. Both of those are to HBC Tullahoma, and then YouTube is at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. So I encourage you to take the time uh, to, to go ahead and, and do all of those things, subscribe, uh, whatever you might need to do uh, for each one of those. Uh, we all ha also have our phone live streaming, uh, which is, uh, you can call us here at the church office. We'll be glad to give you uh, that number. If you're here in person and want that number to share with others, uh, let me know and we'll be sure to get that to you. Uh, while you're there online, go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, go to the info tab. It's just a couple of tabs over. Uh, click the, the info tab there, and it'll drop down. It'll show you the uh, bulletin uh, there that you can download, as well as the bulletins for the children, uh, ages 3 and up and ages 7 and up. So be sure uh, to do that. And then also... Uh, you can find there your prayer list, and you'll need that for tonight, so go ahead and get that downloaded or, or printed out there. If you need one of these in person, everybody in person got one of these, I believe? Uh, that's good. Uh, those are on the front. If anybody else comes in, uh, be sure to get them uh, one of those. While you're there on the website, also go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab, uh, and you can do your online giving there. You can set it up as a recurring gift. You can set it up as a one-time gift. Uh, you can designate it however you need uh, to do that. And then also, as we're going through the book of Revelation, we have our Revelation prophecy charts that we have, uh, and then we have printed off a few more of the numbers charts. Some people wanted those to share with some friends, so if you need one of those uh, tonight, uh, we'll be glad to get you one of these tonight. If you want one of these to share with your friends, uh, just grab one before you leave. These are on the stage here on the sides, as well as the number chart. Uh, I'll have those down here at the front. Actually, I'll probably just lay them on the stage over here where you can see where to get them. And then also don't forget, we're asking everybody to please fill out one of these connection cards again. They are in the little slot uh, right, in, right beside the door as you go out uh, on this side and on this side also. Uh, so be sure to grab one of those. Uh, the reason we're asking you to fill that out again is sometimes phone numbers change, emails change. Uh, but also we've added uh, an extra section there uh, we've had before where we had asked if you would like to receive uh, the ur special or urgent prayer requests. Uh, but now we've also added if you'd like to receive special event announcement notices. Uh, we needed your permission to be able to put you on that list uh, before we can send those to you. So just, uh, it, just as encouragement, go ahead and fill that out for us again so we can make sure you're getting all the notifications that you want to get. We're glad to have everybody here tonight. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us tonight. Take your hymnals and turn to 192, soon and very soon. Miss Pat? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. No Ah! 
on Facebook. The flashing. Okay. All right. So just to let you know, if you are there on Facebook, uh, it looks like it cleared up. It's not doing it right this minute. Uh, we were having some flashing there uh, of our image and uh, something to do probably with our connection there. So uh, please bear with us if we have that. If we do have that or you see that on your side, uh, please let us know. And that way we can, uh, yeah, now it's back to doing it again. <laughs> so uh, let us know if you see it happening. We'll try to get that uh, corrected uh, there. Uh, if Hopefully you had a chance to get your prayer list uh, downloaded uh, so uh, that you can follow along with our, our prayer requests. And I'm actually going to have to flip off of Facebook for a moment to get over to some messages to share some of the prayer requests uh, that I had received uh, earlier. Uh, as you look at your HBC family prayer list, uh, I don't think we've added anybody new other than to update that Beverly Daniels, uh, they were uh, seeking to get her uh, into uh, rehab uh, for her, uh, the stroke that she had had that affected her swallowing. So uh, that has, uh, I think that has been done. Uh, not sure which. Do you know which home? NHC, okay. All right, so she would be at NHC. So remember her in prayer. That's the only one on our HBC family part uh, that I have any new information on. Uh, we have several others who are on uh, the other parts of our list that I want to give some updates on. Anybody else that's on our HBC family side? And of course, if you have those requests, be sure uh, there to, to share those on Facebook and we can see those requests, uh, even though we may be flashing uh, there uh, for you. Uh, let me just go down the list here on the friends and family side and highlight a few uh, that I want to share with you. Rhonda Morris, uh, who's about halfway in the middle uh, there, she is one of our CDC teachers. Uh, she is going through her cancer treatments and uh, things have not been going well for her with that. She's been uh, having a lot of adverse reactions to that. So just continue to keep her in your prayers uh, as she goes through that. She's not going to be able to uh, I believe to do uh, our, our CDC teaching of the kids. She's been trying to do that as much as she could, but it's getting to the point where she's not able to do that. So uh, keep her uh, in your prayers. Uh, and then also uh, D David Kohler, uh, that is Matt's dad. Uh, he still is having uh, some issues there. He had some issues with, with his kidneys. Uh, but he's still, he's improving, but still having some issues. Uh, Libby Kine, uh, who is Rick Miller's mother, uh, who had a stroke, she is still just about the same, not changed a whole lot there. Uh, so keep him and keep that family uh, in your prayers. And then Matt also has some extended family uh, requests that he wanted to uh, ask also for you to keep in prayer there. Uh, some people who to, in their life are like family uh, for them. And then also uh, Tish, uh, who has lymphoma, uh, started chemo, Tish, uh, Craig Ray. And then uh, Linda Ray is home recovering. Have you had an update? Yeah, they finally got rehab and stuff started this week. She's been waiting a week on that. It's been very frustrating, but they finally got it started and got some schedules out for her to work with to help with the weakness in her legs. Okay. So Linda Ray has started some rehab, uh, but just keep praying for her uh, as she continues to try to get her strength back uh, in her leg. Uh, Glenn Leibig, who is uh, Linda Smith's dad, uh, he was re he's recovering from COVID, so he was doing better from that, but uh, she sent a message today that said uh, that he is scheduled for a swallow test tomorrow from a lingering sore throat uh, make that's making it hard for him uh, to eat. and. Uh, and she also said that Mary Labig is not sick, but has uh, low blood pressure from worry and lack of sleep and, and poor diet. So keep both of them uh, in your prayer. That's Glenn and Mary. Mary is her mother. Um, and then uh, also Donnie Meadows. Did anybody get an update on him? Okay, so the update is he didn't get to have his surgery uh, because of a fever, and so, uh, but do keep him uh, in your prayers. Uh, we mentioned last time the family and friends of Mary Jo Gwynn, uh, remember them in your prayers. Uh, Randy Tatum, Ken had told us his brother is uh, not doing very well, uh, continues to decline, so uh, keep him in your prayers. And then Laura Curtis, 
who is one we've been praying for. She is uh, the wife of the pastor uh, at Liberty Baptist in Winchester. Uh, she uh, has been um, waiting for a liver transplant, but she has had several medical issues that have arisen in, in that time of waiting that has precluded her from having that liver transplant. Uh, the last report we had gotten early last week is that she had had a spot that had developed on her finger uh, and they were talking about trying to save the hand. The last word we got was on Thursday. Now they're just talking about trying to save the arm. So uh, keep her in your prayers and keep her husband uh, in your prayers. Uh, he had lost his job, as we mentioned that earlier, uh, at the hospital down at Winchester. Uh, and so they're going through a, a real bad time there. And then we've moved Jay Barbier down to the bottom also so you could remember him. Uh, he was kind of up in the upper part there. Uh, he is our youth specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Uh, he has cancer and he has uh, had surgery about two weeks ago, I believe it is now, but uh, he's been running fever. Uh, the, the, uh, where the surgery was has not been healing up. Uh, he's had a lot of weakness, uh, digestive issues also. Uh, so keep him uh, in your prayers. He's asked for special prayer uh, also, and that's Jay Barbier who is with our uh, Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Uh, any others that we need to mention or that we didn't cover? Uh, my cousin, Cindy Cruz, uh, she is in her treatments for her liver cancer, and uh, she seems to be doing uh, okay uh, through that so far, uh, but just continue to keep her uh, in your prayers too. Uh, she's a little less than halfway down there. Yes. And so that's on our nursing home list there. Uh, for those of you who are at home and didn't hear that, uh, that's Peggy Eggleston. Uh, she has been at the hospital with some breathing issues and such, and so they hope to have her back soon to life care, uh, but keep her in your prayers. Any others? just being with us. Uh, Lord, you have shown us your loving kindness over and over again, all so often when we don't deserve it. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, just uh, stir within our hearts, Lord, uh, to have that desire, uh, to have that closer walk with you. Father, I pray that you will uh, move in our lives to bring us closer to you. Uh, to desire you and to desire that relationship with you more and more. And Father, I pray that as we do, may we see our sinfulness in the light of your righteousness and your holiness. And Lord, I pray that we would confess those things before you and that you would cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness to use us in your kingdom work. Father, we pray that you'll wash us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us tonight. Uh, as we come before you, and, and Lord, we bring our petitions before you of our requests. Lord, there are many who are on our list, some we've mentioned, some we may not have, uh, but you know each and every person that's here on this list. You know maybe even other unspoken requests that may not be on this list. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, that you will reach down and, and touch their hearts and touch their lives. One, to just encourage them that you are with them, uh, to let them have that sense and that peace Lord, that they are in your hands. And then, Father, also to do your wonderful miracle work in their hearts and lives, to bring about the healing that they need uh, so that it may bring glory and honor to your name and that we might testify, Lord, uh, of, your, of your power and in healing physically, but also to use it as a springboard to share with others uh, of your saving grace and your saving mercy. Lord, we pray that you would uh, just in. Wrap your loving arms around these individuals 
to encourage them and strengthen them as some may still have uh, long-term effects and long-term things that they're having to go through. And so, Father, I pray that you will walk with them through the valleys that they're going through. Father, I pray that you will uh, just move in their hearts and lives and, and even in all their family, Lord. I know it's not just these individuals. Their families are going through this with them. And so we just pray, God, that you will strengthen each and every one of them. Lord, be with those who have lost loved ones and continue to comfort and to encourage their hearts. And Father, we pray that you'll be magnified and glorified in and through those things. Father, bless us tonight uh, as we come to study your word. I pray, Lord, that you will make your word alive to us. May it be powerful. May it be sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will uh, just use this word uh, from the book of Revelation uh, to give us wisdom and discernment about the days that lie ahead, but more importantly, Lord, to, to see how it may apply to our hearts and our lives even now uh, as we prepare for that day uh, when we will be there with you in heaven. So bless us tonight. Bless our youth as they're meeting. Uh, watch over them too. And as we get ready also to start our WANA program back, we ask for your blessings there. And we just ask, Lord, for your will to be done as we press forward uh, to, to bring uh, the gospel to those who are lost all around us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14, we're going to be just looking at verse 1 through verse 5 uh, tonight. Uh, and as I said, we've got those number charts. If you're at home and you want one of those, just comment there in the comments on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. Either way, uh, we do get those uh, no matter what you comment on, uh, what platform you're on there, except for our phone live streaming. And so you can comment there and let us know you want that. Or you can call the church office. We'll be glad to uh, send one of those out to you free of charge. Or you can send to us in the email uh, at highlandbaptistcafes.net or highlandbaptistullahoma at gmail.com. Either one of those uh, will work and we'll be able to uh, get that information from you to send that out to you. So Revelation chapter 14, uh, we're going to begin with verse 1. And then I want to give you a little bit of background before we get into the rest of the verses here. So John is seeing this vision and we read here in verse 1 he says, Then I looked and behold on Mount Zion stood the Lamb and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Uh, and so you already see there in that first verse we're going to be dealing a little bit with some numbers uh, again tonight. And so those number charts uh, will hopefully uh, help you with some of that. Uh, as you're looking at your prophecy charts, you'll notice that we're more than halfway uh, through the, the tribulation time. Uh, in these last two chapters that we've looked at, in chapter 12 and chapter 13, uh, those last two chapters that we've studied, we were given a picture, if you will, of some of the darkest days spiritually and morally that this world will ever experience. Uh, we were introduced to the terrible trinity. We talked about the devil, uh, who was the, the dragon. We talked about the beast, uh, who was the prophet, the, 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 uh, the beast that rose up out of the sea. Uh, and we talked about the false prophet, who was uh, the beast that rose up out of the earth. Uh, and so we left chapter 13 uh, with a united uh, world religion, uh, the world united under one banner uh, of the beast. There's a one world government that's ruled by the beast, uh, and there's a one-world religion led by the false prophet. A and we left an unnumbered amount and multitude of, of God-fearing, Christ-loving, spirit-filled saints being slaughtered for refusing to take the mark of the beast and worship Satan. A and so if you'll remember, we've already mentioned this before, that that the rapture of the church who is present has already happened, but there are those who uh, go through that tribulation, uh, many Jews especially, uh, who trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. In fact, we're given that number there of the 144,000 that we'll look at in a moment again. Uh, but there are people who are coming to faith, but there are many who are not. So uh, here is this small uh, group, this small number uh, who are God-fearing, who are Christ-loving, who are spirit-filled. And yet because of that, because of their faithfulness to the Lord, they're being slaughtered, they're being killed. In fact, we read that in chapter 13. 
how even the false prophet had, had given power to this image uh, that, that he made it to basically kind of come alive uh, that this, uh, this image uh, could kill uh, those individuals who would not bow and worship the beast. And so as, as we come uh, to chapter, had, had finished chapter 13, it comes to a close and it appears as if what Jesus talks about in Matthew's gospel about the tares and the wheat, that the tares have killed all the wheat, as if the forces of evil have finally triumphed over the forces of good. Uh, that's what we've been reading in 12 and 13. Uh, and, and it's as if right has, has final, is finally on the scaffold uh, and wrong is forever on the throne. But chapter 14 begins with this phrase, I looked and behold, or lo. Uh, this phrase appears for the eighth time in the book of Revelation. It always, every time you see this phrase, it always introduces a key or a major vision uh, of the book. It, it always brings us to a different perspective, if you will, a different look at what's taking place. And, and so there's now a change in the scenery, a change, if you will, in the perspective. Because in the previous chapters, it's almost like we've been looking down through things through a microscope looking at this terrible time that we know as the Great Tribulation. And we've seen that the Great Tribulation is, is a time of, uh, of deadly persecution. Millions upon millions are, are going to die for their faith. Uh, as chapter 7 in Revelation 7, 14, it says, These are they which came out of the Great Tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We've seen that it's going to be uh, that kind of uh, time of, a, uh, of, of deadly persecution. Uh, we've seen that it's going to be a time of forceful preaching. Uh, we heard about the preaching of the two uh, witnesses from God in chapter 11. And so here in this chapter, we're told of how an angel is going to preach the gospel to the entire earth and turn many to Jesus Christ. You can see that down. Uh, it, it'll be in next week's message. It's going to be in verse 6 and verse 7 that says, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who has made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. And so you kind of see uh, this opposition here, this contrast, if you will. Uh, the, the, the devil has had his beast and had his false prophets saying, worship me, worship me, worship me. And now this angel from heaven comes and preaches and says, no, give glory to God who is the maker of all of these things. His judgment is coming. Worship him because he's the one who made heaven. He is the one who made this earth. He's the one who made the sea and the springs of the water. And so it, we see that it's a time that this angel is going to come and proclaim the gospel there. But it's also a time of fulfilled prophecy. Because all of these events that have been foretold uh, by the God of prophecy, who, who knows the end from the beginning, as we've said on a different occasion, prophecy is simply history pre-written. And so uh, all of these things, all of these events have been foretold by the God of prophecy, even when you look back uh, to the Old Testament. So John changes in the vision here from looking at things down close in the last two chapters to, to giving us more of a, uh, of a telescopic view, a further view away. And so for a moment, we're going to be leaving the time of the tribulation that's engulfed in, in this demonic darkness and all that's happening there, the persecution of saints, uh, to emerge to this place that verse 1 says, uh, Mount Zion, uh, into the light of the Lamb. Uh, this is God's way of reminding his people that the light of the Lamb is always at the end of the tunnel. It's not an oncoming train. It's God. Uh, it's his light uh, that, is that is Jesus, his light is coming. 
And so Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so we're given a look here at this remnant that we've already seen in previous chapters of these saints who will come triumphantly through the great tribulation. Every Christian has to go through their own tunnel of tribulation, if you will. None of us are immune. Even us living today, not living specifically in this great tribulation time, we have to go through tribulations. None of us is excused from that. But there's always, no matter what tribulation it is you're going through, whether it's something physical uh, or whether it's something financial or something in your, in your family, in your relations, uh, understand this, there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. Because for us as believers, we know to be absent in the body is to be present with Christ. So come, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. In fact, that's what John's going to end this whole book with, uh, to say, come, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I know I have Jesus as my Lord and Savior, so I'm not worried about what's going to happen at the end of the tunnel. I know the light is Jesus Christ that's coming toward us. And so what we learn here in, this, in these five verses, we learn some very valuable principles to remember when we're in our own tribulation tunnel. Here's the first thing we need to remember, no matter what tribulation it is you're going through, as we see they're going through this in the great tribulation, remember the sovereign protection of God's people. Remember the sovereign protection of God's people. That's what you see there in verse 1. Then I looked and behold on Mount Zion stood the Lamb and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their Forehead. So we're given this view of the time when the Lord Jesus has returned to the earth. He's triumphantly entered into, into the new Jerusalem to be the millennial king over all the earth. Mount Zion is used in the Bible uh, many times to refer to Jerusalem, uh, the capital of Israel. Jerusalem is known as the holy city. And that word holy means to be set apart. And so just like Israel is God's chosen people to be set apart from the world, Jerusalem is God's <clears throat> chosen city. Psalm 87 and verse 2 says, The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Uh, Psalm 132 verse 13 says, For the Lord has chosen Zion he has desired it for his dwelling place. And so it's here in this holy city of Jerusalem in Mount Zion that Jesus is going to rule and he's going to reign over this world for a thousand years. Over and over, this great event has been prophesied in the Old Testament. Go back to Psalm chapter 2, verse 6. It says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Remember, Zion is Jerusalem. Isaiah 24, 23 says, Then the moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. Uh, then the prophet Zechariah said this in Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 3, Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion. And I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. You read about Joel. Joel the prophet predicted in Joel chapter 3 and verse 17. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never again pass through it. And so that's the emphasis we're seeing there is this holy place, this holy hill, this holy city, this holy Mount Zion is Jerusalem, and God has preserved it. We're told that these 144,000 saints are standing with the Lamb. Now, if you turn back to Revelation 7, verse 3 and verse 4, that's the first time we met these 144,000 in the visions that John is giving to us. And so here's what it says in Revelation 7, 3. 
Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. That was the word that God had given uh, to, to them as, the, as the, the judgment was being poured out. You can't, you can't bring anything against those sealed servants of our God who have that seal on their foreheads. And verse 4 says, And I heard, from, I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons uh, of Israel. So we remember that this number represents the nation uh, of Israel, those Jews who are going to be saved and sealed during that great tribulation. In fact, if you go back and you look there uh, in your Bibles uh, at Revelation chapter 7, uh, you read in those following verses, in verse 5 uh, all the way down through verse 8, each one of those tribes and how many from each one of those tribes, 12,000 from each one of those 12 tribes, 12 times 12,000 gives us the 144,000. Uh, that's also 144,000 is a multiple of tens. And so if you remember in your numbers chart, the number 10 is the number of completeness uh, also. Uh, and perfectness there. And so we see God's perfect protection upon these 144,000. So we remember that this number represents the nation of Israel, those Jews who are going to be saved and sealed during the Great Tribulation, who are protected from the wrath of God. They're sealed. Notice what they have on their foreheads. What do they have? They have the Father's name that's written on their foreheads. Uh, well, if you remember last week when we were talking about uh, the Antichrist, he was talking about a seal uh, of, of the Antichrist being on people's foreheads that, and on their hands uh, that, that you would not be able to buy or sell. You remember that? That was the number uh, of the beast, 666, uh, and, and that you had to have uh, that number. That number was the number of man. And so the devil, as we've seen all throughout the history of the Bible, has always been trying to, and even in these last prophecies here, uh, is trying to counterfeit what God has put forth. And so you can read about the, the, the name of God being on people's foreheads way back in the Old Testament before these revelation, this revelation is given to us of the Antichrist seal, uh, which was there in chapter 13. And so we see that these who are sealed, they have the Father's name written on their foreheads. A seal is a sign of ownership. Remember we talked about that a little bit last week, how a Roman emperor uh, would take some wax and take his, his signet ring uh, when he wanted to send a, an official document to someone. Uh, he would roll that up into a scroll-like thing, put some wax down, and then take his ring and press it into that wax before it was hardened so that it would have his seal upon it saying, this is my document, this is official. And that's the emphasis of what we see the seal here being that a seal is a sign of ownership. These are the servants of God. They are saved. They are sealed forever to belong to him. Now, it's important to remember that all of God's people throughout all of the ages are sealed, whether you are a Jew or whether you are a Gentile. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says this, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So think about that. When you heard the word of truth, when you heard the gospel, when you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, here's what the Bible says, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So when we're saved, we're sealed. Now that means that just like these saints will be protected during their tribulation, we will be protected during our tribulation. Because the worst that could happen to us here on this earth means to be absent in the body and present with Christ. So the devil still doesn't get me. So, so even those missionaries who, who go to foreign lands and have lost their lives sharing the gospel, uh, they knew that and resolved in their hearts, I'm going to go anyway because I know even if I lose my life, I'll be with the Lord. And so the devil doesn't win. And so uh, that's what we see here, and we need to understand as an encouragement for us that we're protected during our tribulations also. Notice carefully that these 144,000 
They were sealed at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. When you go back to chapter 7, that's in the beginning parts there of the Great Tribulation. The 144,000 are sealed then. Now we come to chapter 14, seven chapters later, and how many of them do we find are still around? All of them. All 144,000 are still there. They're still standing at the end of the Great Tribulation. Not a single one is lost. We're not told, well, 139,999 made it, but that one didn't. Nope, every single one, all 144,000. Jesus said this in John's Gospel, John 17 and verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. This is in his prayer to God for his uh, to the Father for those disciples who had followed him. He said, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Who was that? Judas. He's the only one, and that was because that was already prophesied, and that had to be fulfilled, that he would do that uh, to Jesus, to betray Jesus. And so Jesus says, I've guarded every one of them. Every one of them has made it through all the way. Every child of God is signed, sealed, and delivered. So I want to assure you, as a child of God, that as sure as uh, uh, you're as sure for heaven as if you were already there. When, when the roll is called up yonder, you'll be there. There's no doubt about it if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's a whole different story. And so you need to make sure that you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, at the Lord's table, every seat is going to be filled. No seat is going to be empty. God's circle will not be broken. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, to illustrate this, Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, who wrote Treasure Island, his father uh, was a chief engineer in establishing lighthouses all up and down the coast of Scotland and England. And when Robert Louis Stevenson was just a boy, his father took him on one of those uh, ocean voyages inspecting the lighthouses and the towers uh, of the east coast of England. And they weren't out very long, he said, before uh, there, there was a, a tremendous uh, storm that came upon the sea. And for over 24 hours, they feared for their very lives. Robert Louis Stevenson's father made his way, he said, up to the deck. And there was only one man who was up there, the pilot, the captain of the ship. He said the waves were so big and the winds were so loud and the rain was so hard and strong that the captain had taken a rope and strapped himself to the foremast of that ship so he wouldn't be swept off uh, into the ocean. When Robert Louis Stevenson's father finally made it up to the deck, he took one look at the face of the captain, and without saying a word, he went back down into the cabin. His little boy was waiting at the door when his father walked in, and, and young Stevenson said, Daddy, are we going to drown? Daddy, Daddy, is this ship going down? Are we going to sink? Are we going to die? And Mr. Stevenson picked up that little boy, hugged him to his chest, and said, No, son, we're going to make it through the storm. His son, Robert Louis Stevenson, said, Daddy, how do you know we're going to make it? And his daddy said this, because I looked into the captain's face and he was smiling. One of the great messages of the book of the Revelation is this. The seas of life may get stormy. The skies may even get dark. The sun may not shine, but Jesus, who we're told in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, is the captain or the founder of our salvation. He never panics. He's at the will of the good ship Zion. He's always smiling because he has the ship under control and he will get us safely to the port without losing one passenger. What an encouragement for us. What an encouragement Revelation 14 verse 1 is to us. Not one was lost. All made it through. If you trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you can stand on the promise of God's word knowing he will see you through to the other side of the tribulation. Now to the other side of the tribulation might be to heaven. But that's great, isn't it? 
That's not a discouragement. That's an encouragement. It may be that it's just through the tribulation here and God uses that in your life to strengthen you to, to be a better witness even on the other side of that tribulation. But in either case, he sees us through to the other side and doesn't lose one single passenger. Here's another thing we need to learn and to remember from this passage tonight is the sweet praise of God's people. The sweet praise of God's people. Look at verse 2 and verse 3. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters. Any of you ever been to Niagara Falls? I've never been. But I, everything I've ever heard, it's, a, it's like, almost like a deafening sound with that water coming over uh, those falls. That's what we hear here, a roar, a voice with a roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. Now we've heard that description before. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. So get the picture here. It's an amazing scene. No other age has produced a company of saints like this, an army of believers who march unbroken, unbent, unbowed through every form of danger. They defied the dragon. They baited the beast. They preached the gospel in front of the false prophet. And all this time, they have been chased, if you will, by the hounds of hell, but undaunted. Their sorrow has turned to song. And so we're told of the newness of this song. This is the only time in history or eternity this particular choir is ever heard. Singing has never has, has singing has been heard before in the book of Revelation, but not this kind of singing. The singers and the song are new. This is not a heavenly choir uh, like we've ever heard before. Uh, this is the earthly choir of those who've been saved and sealed during the great tribulation. They're going to sing a song, the Bible tells us there, never before heard that nobody else can learn. That tells us that heaven is going to be so different and so much sweeter and so much richer than what we could ever imagine. The Bible tells us eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. Sometimes we hear people talk about experiencing heaven on earth. Uh, we've heard preachers even talk about how, how in a great worship service and, and they talk about heaven just came down in that service. Well, I, I know what those people mean, but I believe sometimes we sell heaven short. When Dr. R.G. Lee was lying on his deathbed, all of a sudden he sat up in his bed and his daughter, who was sitting there at his side, she asked her father what was wrong. And he said, I see heaven. And she said, what? And he said, I see heaven. I see your mother. And his daughter said, Daddy, what's it like? And he said, Honey, in all of my preaching, I never did it justice. You take the greatest church service that our mind could imagine, you fill it with the greatest choir that could assemble. Have the finest soloists and, and the greatest orchestra that a musician could put together and, and then find the greatest preacher preaching the greatest sermon ever heard and you multiply that a million fold and it still wouldn't touch the hem of heaven's garment. Billy Sunday, the great evangelist, said this, if we could get a real appreciation of what heaven is, We'd all be so homesick for heaven, the devil wouldn't have a friend left on earth. But notice also the gladness of the song. You know this, think about this. Have you ever heard of the devil's crowd singing in the book of Revelation? Not once. You never see the devil's crowd singing in the book of Revelation. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, you never see the devil's crowd singing ever. And just think about this. God's people have been through the most terrible time in history in this great tribulation. A tribulation unlike any other tribulation that anybody on the face of this earth has ever experienced. They've experienced persecution. They've experienced torture. They've experienced murder, beheadings on an unprecedented scale than ever before. 
How and why could they sing? They could sing because they were under God's protection. They were singing because they were secure. They were secure because they were sealed. They were sealed because they were saved. They were singing because they knew they were never out of the Father's care. It was God who gave them this song because it was God who led them along. G.A. Young wrote a great song entitled, God Leads Us Along. And in that song, there's a verse that says this, and I'll just read this part to you. Though sorrows befall us and Satan oppose, God leads his dear children along. Through grace we can conquer, defeat all our foes. God leads his dear children along. And then it goes this way in the chorus. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. You think about the darkest trials that saints went through. I, I, hearing about this and seeing this song here brings me back into the New Testament in, in the Gospels where Paul, or in the book of Acts there, where Paul and Silas were in the prison. And you remember they started singing. Here's a, what we see here is they, they were in God's presence. They were singing to the Lamb because they were standing with the Lamb. And, and I believe you really get around Jesus and you get in his presence and you can't help but burst out into singing. Because here's what the Bible tells us in Psalm 16, verse 11. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy. But they were also within God's purpose. All that they had experienced in that great tribulation was a part of God's perfect plan for their lives. These dear saints had learned that the happiest place on earth is to be in the center of God's will. So be reminded of that, that, that even in the tribulations that we may go through, remember the song of God's people. Then notice also finally the spiritual purity of God's people. The sweet praise of God's people, the sovereign protection of God's people, and now the spiritual purity of God's people. Notice verse 4 and verse 5. He's speaking again of these 144,000. It's these, he says, who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind at as first fruits for God and the Lamb, and in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. Notice that the reason why these people came through the tribulation so happy is because during the tribulation they remained holy. They, they knew that going through, they had done all they needed to do. They had said all they needed to say. They had lived the, the word of God uh, before those as, and being a witness to the world. And it's going to be a great day in the lives of many Christians when they learn that God hasn't called us to be happy. God has called us to be holy. But if you'll be holy, you'll also be happy. Because you won't have anything to sorrow about. You won't have anything to worry about. In fact, the holier you are, the happier you'll be. And so there's several reasons why these saints made it through the tribulation tunnel triumphantly. Here, I want to give these to you quickly. They were restrained. They were restrained. That's what the first part uh, of verse 4 uh, tells us about. It is these who have not defiled themselves for women, for they are virgins. Now, that doesn't mean that they, were, they simply weren't married, uh, nor does it imply that there's anything wrong with marriage. That word virgin there, which usually refers to someone uh, who is physically pure, isn't just used in a physical sense. Even here, it's also used in a spiritual sense because these people were spiritually pure. Not just physically pure, they were spiritually pure. So the key to understanding this verse is verse 8. So if you go down to verse 8, here's what it says. 
in Revelation 14, verse 8. Another angel, a second followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of passion of her sexual immorality. And so in the Bible, particularly in the book of Revelation, Babylon represents false religion. False religion in the scriptures is described as fornication or playing the harlot. In other words, false religion is spiritual adultery. And you see that all throughout the Bible, uh, talking about that. That it's not just a, it's not a physical adultery that it was talking about in many places. It's talking about a spiritual adultery. That the Lord has his church, which is called his bride. And the devil has his church, which is called the harlot. And so it's a picture that is graphically described in Revelation 17, verse 3 through verse 5. So here's what Revelation 17, verse 3 says. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup of, full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations." So what, what it's saying about these 144,000 saints is that they wouldn't sleep with the devil's harlot. In other words, when all that pressure was being put on them to, to bend and to bow before uh, the, the beast, before the, the great dragon and to worship him, they said, no, we're not worshiping this false religion. They wouldn't take any part in that false religion. They wouldn't play the harlot and commit fornication with other gods. Uh, Jesus himself talks about uh, those Pharisees and even the Sadducees who, who had committed a spiritual adultery uh, in their heart. They had followed after the ways of the world rather than following after God. And so the true bride of Christ, the church, will be presented to the Lord uh, pure and spotless like a virgin, uh, which is as it should be. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. He says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, speaking to the church, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. And so understand this, the devil is going to tempt you in one of two ways. He's going to try to tempt you physically, but he will also try to tempt you spiritually. Now, physically is the temptation uh, that will be to immorality. Spiritually, the temptation is to idolatry. And, and so the devil would, would rather get you to sin with your spirit than he would with your body. In fact, we're even warned how the devil will try to tempt God's people in these last days. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, and he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And so he's saying there, they're going to commit a spiritual adultery. In fact, the devil's going to try to seduce those in the last days uh, to, to spiritually, uh, he's going to tempt you spiritually uh, the way a harlot tries to seduce one uh, physically. He's going to try to get you to believe anything but the word of God and to worship anything but the son of God. But these saints were spiritually pure. They were also resolved, verse 4 says. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They were marked by a loyalty to the Lamb. Their motto was, motto was, no rivals, we will follow the Lord. No refusals, we will follow. No restraints, wherever he goes, we will follow. They had decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. They were converted by Christ, they were convinced by Christ, and they were committed 100% to Christ. They were resolved. They were also redeemed, as verse 4 goes on to say. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. So these 144,000 represent that part of Israel that will be saved and sealed during the Great Tribulation. But these are the first fruits of those who will be saved during the Tribulation. Many more are going to come. So it's not just these 144,000 who are going to be saved during the Tribulation. These are the first fruits. There's going to be many more to come uh, that will be saved. The Jewish people celebrated the seven feast days during the year. And one of those was the Feast of First Fruits. 
that feast was held around harvest time. And they would go to the fields, they would get some of the first ripening seeds of the wheat, they would bring uh, those sheaves into the temple and wave them before the Lord. And by that, they would they not only dedicate the entire crop to God, they would be trusting God that God is going to give a harvest uh, give the rest of the harvest. And so these Jewish first fruits simply represent a portion of a great multitude that will be saved during the tribulation. In fact, the great revival is described in Revelation 7 and verse 9. Uh, and, and I encourage you to read that verse if you, if you want to see that. Don't ever forget, though, that right in the middle of the great tribulation, there's also going to be God's triumph. Notice also that they were reliable. They're reliable. Look at verse 5. And in their mouth, no lie was found. And so while others are going to be lovers of lies, they are going to be tellers of truth. That word guile or lying there comes from the Greek word pseudo, which means false. These were not pseudo-Christians, false Christians. They were the real thing. Their lips were true because their lives were true, and their lives were true because their love was true. We need to be just like that, to be reliable in our relationship to the Lord. And then notice finally, they were righteous in verse 5. For they are blameless, spotless. That's what that word literally means, without fault. They were spotless like the sacrificial lamb. Did they ever sin? Yeah, they had sinned just like any one of us has sinned. Just like us, when we're presented before the Father as believers, we'll be presented spotless, without blame. Why? Not because of what we did or did not do, but because of what Christ did. Because you're under the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a whole message we could preach on that in the book of Romans uh, because Paul says there, so then does that mean that we can just go on sinning and, and, and do whatever and, and God's grace could abound more and more? He says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so understand this, to be sacrificed to God in the Old Testament was to be without spot. All around them was the devil's dirt, but they kept themselves clean and spotless for God's lamb. And so here are the people of God who have come through tribulation that's never been known before or seen, and, and they are saved, they are sealed, they are separated, they are sanctified, and they are spotless. They make it to the end of the tunnel where the light of Jesus Christ is. I want to close with this thought. The next time, and there will be a next time unless the Lord calls you home or, or the trumpet sounds, think about this. The next time you're in a tunnel of tribulation, when you're engulfed in demonic darkness, remember there's a light at the end of the tunnel and his name is Jesus and he'll see you safely through to the other side don't lose heart be encouraged stay faithful let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for your word tonight and for your truth and I pray Lord that we have been encouraged by this passage tonight what a blessing Lord, that you gave us at the very beginning of this book, that those who read this word, those who hear this word, and then also those who keep this word will receive a blessing. And Father, I pray that we will receive that threefold blessing, not just a one part of it, not just two parts of it, but all three parts. Father, I pray that we will know that as we're going through life, first and foremost, we need to surrender our heart and our life to Jesus Christ, to know in our hearts that we're saved, that we have trusted by faith in him as our Lord and Savior. And if we've not done that, then let us start there, Lord, with the greatest blessing of all that could transform and change our life for an eternal destiny. But Father, I pray that if we have done that, Lord, may we also be faithful to live in the truth of that word that we might be a witness and a testimony to those around us of your saving grace and your saving mercy. And Father, I pray that we'll be encouraged that no matter what trial or tribulation we're going through, just like even with this great tribulation, you're going to see them through the greatest tribulation ever. Our tribulation won't even compare to that tribulation. And yet you promised to see us through to the other side. Lord, I pray that whatever the other side of that is, whether it's there in glory with you in heaven, 
or whether it's just to the other side of the trial that we're going through, Father, I pray that you will use it in our hearts and our lives to bring glory to your name and to bring good into our lives, that we would stand on the promise of your word and we would trust you all the way through safely to the other side. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here tonight in person. Thank you for being with us online. We'll be back again Sunday morning, uh, 9.15 for Sunday School. So come and jo join us. Uh, Sunday School is a great opportunity for you to get deeper into the Word of God. And then we'll be back live at 10.30 for our worship service. So you join us there if you can't be here with us in person. You have a blessed week. Stay safe. And we'll see you this Sunday.